0: light treason news everyone pop culture politics and a sprinkle of treason we're back after the holidays and uh not gonna lie i had a a couple different hosts scheduled for today co-hosts uh and everybody's sick right now because we live in gross gross new york city and everybody keeps getting the flu, so I'm flying solo for this episode, which is fine because there is so much to talk about, like, I don't know, World War Three, but we'll get to all of that in a second in the bad news section. Uh, because we took two weeks off for the break, I have so many pop culture recommendations and anti-recommendations for you all, although I'm realizing now as I'm looking at my list, some of these are going to be, dare I say it, outdated, because again, it's been two weeks, but you know what? I promised you all a Cats review, and you're going to get a motherfucking Cats review. Okay, so I saw it. I'm different now as a person. That movie changed me, I believe, for the worse. Uh, everything you've heard about it is true. It's, it's a visual horror show. Judy Dench looks like the cowardly lion. It's really upsetting. She lifts her leg very high at one point. It's upsetting. No one was happy. Ian McKellen laps up some milk out of a bowl. That's when I almost left, if I'm going to be honest with you. If there was ever a time when I was watching Cats where I was like, I got to get out of here. That was it. But I didn't leave. I stayed for the whole thing. Do I regret it? Yes. Um, now, having said that, I feel like there's been so many horrible reviews of Cats. You know, Universal officially pulled it from Oscar contention. Which, oh my God, grant me the confidence of the Universal executives who thought Cats was going to win them Oscars. But anyway, uh, so much bad stuff has been said about it. Let me just say, if you saw Cats and it brought you any shred of happiness in this crappy world, I'm thrilled for you. For me, one of the top 10 worst moments of my life. So you know what? Different strokes for different folks. Um, I had Mr. Mistopheles in my head for mm, seven days and I wanted to die, um, but yeah, anti-wreck, Cats, what a shock, right? Also saw the new Star Wars, and let me just say, I just think it's so interesting that certain directors, say a Greta Gerwig, uh, who directed Little Women, which is a fantastic movie that I've seen twice so far, um, I just think it's so interesting, like certain directors like Greta Gerwig just put out the cut of the film that they want people to see. And they they say, here are the things I shot. We did a good job editing it. Here it is. And then there's people like J.J. Abrams who are like, well, let me just tell everyone, I know we're all pretty pissed at this movie, but there's a good version of it in a vault that no one's ever going to see, and you all just have to take my word for that, okay? I'm a good director. I'm a good director. This was not my fault. It wasn't my fault. Um. The whole movie is just a fuck you to to Ryan Johnson Star Wars, which is frustrating for those of us who liked Ryan's interpretation of um, Jedi's in general, which is anybody can have the Force, anybody can be part of this cool thing. It was a much more like egalitarian approach. J.J. Abrams saw this happen and was like, no, 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 this is a monarchy. Only one bloodline (laughs) can do this, and it's just a lot of incest in space. Um, So I guess, you know, different strokes for different folks. Some people like J.J. Abrams' interpretation. I do not. I like Ryan Johnson's interpretation. I like what he was trying to do with the universe, trying to expand it, trying to make it more diverse, introducing the Rose character. The fanboys freaked out, got very racist. Who could have predicted? Who among us? So it's basically like watching two dudes fight in a movie, and I was not into it. Um, But I will say, Oscar Isaac, congratulations on just being smoking hot. Literally how I made it through the movie. Because the editing is very strange. You know what it's like? This is what it's like. It is like watching a little kid play with action figures, but in a movie. What planet are we on right now? What's happening? Who's this character? Doesn't matter. Tommy's playing with his little toys. Um, But yeah, it it was fine. Like, I wasn't as mad as some other people were. Maybe because I don't care about Star Wars as much as them, to be honest with you. Uh, and I really liked, uh, you know, Force Awakens and and all of that stuff. Um, so I don't know, it was fine. I would give it a C, a C. I almost give it a C plus. I would give it a C. So as I said, Little Women is the bomb, A plus. So good. And just an extra reminder that <laughs> the Golden Globes suck, and uh, they didn't nominate any lady directors which is absurd in a year where little women and hustlers exists uh so fuck you golden globes and maybe oscars preemptively we'll see so i'm kind of hoping they've been so shamed by natalie portman being like here are all the male directors who have been nominated that they'll at least be like we got to get greta in there so we don't have that moment again not that that's diverse enough or that nominating just white lady directors is good enough. But you know what I'm saying. Also, guys, do I want to see more about Little Women? I feel like I'm just like blowing through this stuff. But you know what happens when you see a movie so long ago? But I, and Little Women's great. Perfect cast. The editing is wonderful. Uh, Greta is a beast. She's a she's a wonderful director. I hope her, Saoirse, and Timothy keep making movies for all time, even in space, 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 space. Yeah, uh, I really like the changes she made. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys, and no one is allowed to shame me because this is a safe space. I've never read Little Women, dot, 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 just letting that hang out there for a second. Never read it. I was obsessed with the 90s version of Little Women with Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon, Christian Bale, Kirsten Dunst. I loved that version of it. Uh, But I really like the changes that Greta's made to the story. I think she made Amy way more interesting, and Florence Pugh is a genius, I I think Timothy Chalamet's Laurie is my favorite Laurie, and I loved Christian Bale's Laurie. You know, when you were a kid growing up, everybody was in love with Christian Bale as Laurie. I think Timothy might be better. Is that wild to say? And of course, Sir Sharonan, wow, as Joe. Because listen, bless Winona Ryder's heart. She's not the strongest actress in the world, although I think she's gotten way better as she's gotten older. But Sir Sharonin's just a, she's a little beast, and uh, she is Joe. So it's wonderful. Check it out if you can. I don't know if I buy into the whole narrative that men aren't going to see this movie. Certainly, when I went to go see it, it was way more women than men. But and and admittedly, I live in Brooklyn, so I am in a bubble, as we are all in bubbles in the United States. But I've I've never heard a dude be like. Psh! I refuse to see Little Women. More than that, I think it might be like, I don't like period pieces. In which case, it's like, okay. Even though Little Women feels very modern, it feels like it'd be like 2020 in Brooklyn watching them. Uh, But I'm sure it exists. I'm sure there are misogynists out there who are like, women in a movie, I don't think so. Why do they sound like that? I don't know. In my head, that's what the misogynist sounds like. So I'm sure it exists, but I don't know if there's like a widespread campaign to boycott because if there is one, they have not been successful. Cause little women made crazy money at the box office while competing with Star Wars, which is nuts. So good on little women. Go see it if you can. It real good. That's all I got to say. And then this is a much more updated review because I just saw it. Saw 1917. Guess what? I had no interest in this movie. I saw the preview. It was just a man running and a bunch of explosions. And I was like, no, thank you. Uh, It is a masterpiece. It's so good. It has the feel of a one take, even though it is not a one take. Apparently it is three long takes, I think, three or four. And if you have a very keen eye or if you're a very lonely man, you can spot where all of the edits are, and you can shout it in the movie theater. Don't do that, but I've heard it's been happening. Men get very excited uh, when they see, <laughs> they spot hidden edits in edits and film, I guess. But it has the feel of a, a, a one take, and it is just incredible. And I am in love with George McKay now. He's one of the leads in it. Thank you. Please respect my privacy during this time. It's great it I had heard from someone who shall remain nameless that they didn't feel an emotional connection to the characters. I disagree. I cried many times. thought it was great. And, you know, it is a fanciful retelling of one day at the end of World War One uh, that is based on the director's um, grandfather, great-grandfather, dot, 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 ancestor stories that he told uh, little Sam Mendes when he was growing up. So uh, Sam Mendes wanted to pay tribute to his grandfather? Question mark, (laughs) I think grandfather. So uh, he, sort of strung together a bunch of uh, fables his uh, his grandfather had told him. S- some were probably based in reality. Many of them were an exaggeration. Some of them just were not true. And he strung them together. And if that's not your thing, if that's not your cup of tea, I understand that. But if you sort of watch this movie as like, I'm going to be told a, a good story right now, I think it's it's very palatable. And also it does really immerse you in what it must have been like to live so long in a disgusting, death-ridden trench. Like, you really feel the mud when they're trudging through the mud. Um, You really sort of become desensitized to the fact that there are just bodies literally everywhere. And I will say that about 1917. This isn't like a Christopher Nolan, Dunkirk, PG-13 war movie. This is graphic. So, just a heads up, you do see limbs blown off because uh, there's lots of bombs going off. It's not like in Dunkirk when the bomb hits the beach and the bodies just bounce and don't get blown apart. <laughs> it's like, that's not how bombs were, Christopher. I really like Dunkirk. I don't know why I'm shitting on Dunkirk, but I think it's not the best idea to make a PG 13 war movie. That's all I'm saying. So,. This next recommendation, oh, if it wasn't clear, I'm recommending 1917. That is a hearty wreck. Do go see it. Uh, I also thought it was a great idea to use two fairly unknown actors in the lead roles because, oh my God, there are so many A-list cameos. (laughs) In 1917, every working British actor's in it, and I sort of liked how they used them. There, there are these very, very, very quick cameos, six lines at the most during these cameos, and they are all A-list British actors for the most part. I don't know if Andrew Scott's A-list yet. He's on his way, baby. He has my favorite cameo in it. He's so good, but they're all higher ranking officers. So there is a certain level of gravitas to say Colin Firth or Benedict Cumberbatch showing up that is appropriate for a higher ranking officer. It's a little bit of like a celebrity thing where you're like, ooh, it's the general, you know? And then having two unknowns as the leads like the grunt soldiers uh, felt very authentic. So Sam Mendes, good job. Who knew he had it in him? I didn't. I wasn't ready to like it this much. Did you see it? You, listener? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Hashtag Pod on Twitter. Let me know. I always like talking about movies, even if I saw them several weeks ago, like Cats. Are you OK? Did you see Cats? Should we talk it out? Should we have like an online therapy circle? people who saw cats, I'd also be very into that. So, guys, more recommendations if you can even believe it, if you can hold on to your little hats. I think I'm going to save a lot of these for next week, even though that might be too late. But I also forget that not everybody watches or consumes pop culture at the frenzied pace I do. And if I'm like a month late on a recommending something, it's not the end of the world. But anyway, uh, if you are in New York City, if you have the financial means, even though I would say tickets are very reasonably priced, you can do like upper mezzanine for like 40, $45. Go see Slave Play. It is, now you might have heard of Slave Play because there was a, an instance here in New York City of, of the actors and I think the writer of Slave Play doing a QA and a and a white woman got very, very uh, in her feelings and yelled at Jeremy O. Harris, who is the, the writer of Slave Play, and was like how dare you make me feel bad for being white I'm a I'm a victim of sexual assault myself I've been marginalized in our society and uh you know Harris was like I don't know you I I w- wasn't saying that you haven't been victimized but you know this play is about race and actually <laughs> ironically Slave play is about the very emotions this woman was expressing when she was so angry about being uh, called an oppressor. Slave play is sort of like about processing all of those very intense emotions. So I don't want to give any spoilers away because there is a turn about halfway through slave play that is genius. And I I don't think a lot of people know about it but when they give you your tickets at the box office they're very much like it's 2 hours no intermission because they don't want anybody to miss this turn <laughs> when it just becomes something entirely else uh but i will say it's it's surprisingly really really funny very sad um very intense uh lots of sexual acts in it if that is like in any way a trigger for you i would avoid Um, But it is, and obviously a huge trigger warning for like uh, racist language, um, calling people of color derogatory names, stuff like that. Uh, A Trigger warning for racism, (laughs) you know, slave play. You probably already knew that, but it's excellent. It will really, really make you think it's one of those plays that immediately afterwards you're like, I gotta talk about like my feelings. (laughs) <laughs> with uh, friends and close trusted peers, to like process my own emotions. What how I'm explaining it to people with slave play feels like it's therapy for the nation, where it's like we just got to talk down and or sit down and talk about this stuff, because especially for white people, we tend to get very very defensive when talking about racism. If the first thing you say when someone's trying to talk about racism is well my family never owned slaves we're already going down the wrong path um or or i'm not racist you know like getting very defensive right away uh so i would recommend it if you are in the new york city area uh And hopefully, I don't know, maybe they'll take it on the road. That would be interesting. I was so curious to see the reactions of... (laughs) There were, like, so many tourist families there who brought, like, their children. And I was like, A, how did you hear about slave play? B, How did you hear anything about slave play? Even the most minute details and decide, I gotta take the whole family to see this. But I'm also kind of impressed that they did and hopefully they got a lot out of it. And it was like an interesting ride back to New Jersey while they discussed uh, the slave play, you know? Maybe, Maybe it was really healthy for them, so that's cool. I was sandwiched between because I won the lottery, no big deal. A young girl, I would say she was like probably 16 and had already seen Slave Play and was so excited to see it again. And her parents, who were sitting to my right, and they seemed like, you know, cool enough as parents where I was like, okay, I think we're going to be all right. But it was so sweet because she was so excited that during all of her favorite parts, I saw her like look over to her parents like, did they like that? Did they like that part? And they did like it. They seemed to like it a lot. But I thought it was very sweet that she was like, I'm going to take my parents to go see this. I was like, good for you, honey. Good for you. And then finally, to round out the recommendation section before we get to so much bad news. Can you guys even handle how much bad news I'm about to dump on you? I don't think you can. Uh... John Mulaney's Sack Lunch Bunch on Netflix is a fucking delight. I'm sure a bunch of you have already seen it. But if not, what are you even waiting for? It is a children's show? Like it's it's a children's show from the mind of John Mulaney, and it is so fucking funny, but also surprisingly touching and sweet. The songs are really good. The kids are really good. Go check it out. It goes so fast. And yeah, it was like the perfect thing to watch over break when I got a little sick. I was like, oh my god, John Mullaney has a new special? Nope. John Mullaney made a children's show? Oh, it's so good. His mind is wonderful. I love it. Uh, guys, that's enough of pop culture recommendations and anti-recommendations. Wow, that was a lot. Is there anything you're watching and loving right now? Hashtag LighttreesandPod on Twitter. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, but I check Twitter the most, so I'll probably see your comments first over there. Let's all hold hands and cry as we head into World War III. Here is your bad news. All right, so obviously the big bad news story of the day is potentially World War III. And listen, I know that's been thrown around a lot, but truly it's starting to look like it. So the United States government, headed by the Trump administration, unilaterally decided that they would assassinate Qasem Soleimani, who was an extremely important figure in Iran uh, the highest ranking uh, military leader um, you know second to only the supreme leader in Iran extremely extremely important uh military figure really we don't have anyone in the United States to compare him to. I guess it would be like if the vice president got assassinated. Um, it's a, it's a huge fucking deal. It cannot be overstated enough how gravely serious this act was. It was an act of war. It is an act of war. And sort of doubling down on that, the Trump administration this hour also announced uh, via tweet, of course, because Trump's a fucking idiot, that they're also, uh, looking at Dozens of cultural sites to attack within Iran, which, by the way, is a war crime to attack cultural sites. So, you know, just openly, openly declaring that they will commit war crimes. Okie dokes. Uh, So this is obviously um, very, very bad. After... It was uh, revealed that Soleimani was assassinated by the United States by Trump, who, again, did this unilaterally because in the wake of September 11th, Congress signed this little thing called the Authorization to Use Military Force, which basically handed the president enormous executive power where they could do stuff like this. They could unilaterally assassinate leaders. They could unilaterally declare war. They handed one person that power because they were so scared after September 11th. So now we are dealing with the consequences of that where, I mean, the consequences of that were also Iraq, right? <laughs> but further consequences are now Iran and and Trump randomly deciding, apparently because he was shown a slideshow presentation where this was one of the bullet points that was sort of thrown in an, as an aside. Like, we could also assassinate Soleimani if we feel like it. I don't know. Is that crazy? And that was the one he seized upon because he also has all of these Iranian uh, you know, hawks in his administration who have just been dying to go to war with Iran um, and are the reason we pulled out of the nuclear agreement and all of that stuff. But... He seized on that idea, and everybody was sort of like, oh, shit, really? So then they fucking assassinated a general from an autonomous country, an enormously powerful country. Oh, boy, guys. I don't know how coherent my thoughts are going to be on all of this because I'm still processing it. But it it, it comes to light a day or two later that Trump actually told his Mar-a-Lago pals to quote-unquote, expect big Iran action soon when he was visiting there. So that means his rich fucking buddies at Mar-a-Lago knew about the assassination before Congress. Just sit with that for a couple moments, everybody. Just when you think it's gotten the worst, it can get it, gets even worse. All right. So... Yeah, I, I obviously – listen, here's what I want to say about this. Uh, my thoughts are coming to me in fragments. I've seen a lot of people freaking out about, you know, obviously a potential um, retaliation from Iran. Some people on Twitter asking, what's the safer coast to live on, West Coast or the East Coast at this point? Let me say this. Uh, will there be retaliation? Probably. But I think the people in way more danger, way more danger, are the people living in the Middle East right now, and that includes, you know, U.S. diplomats um, living in uh, living in embassies. Uh, that includes uh, soldiers, civilians. Those are the people who are, are in the most danger right now. So while I get why the immediate impulse is the selfish one of like, what's going to happen to me. I think the people that we should be most concerned about are, like, Iranians, <laughs> because there are so many millions and millions and millions of good people in Iran who, like in the United States, have no fucking control over what their government does. And they didn't want any of this, and they 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 don't want to get into a conflict with the U.S. There are many progressive young students in Iran who have worked very hard to make Iran a more progressive democratic place and oh my god if what comes out of this is they're the ones who die this is like not that anybody should die obviously but oh that's another point I wanted to make again fragmented thoughts so I've been watching a lot of uh, even so-called progressive pundits comment on the Soleimani assassination and say stuff like they sort of preface any comment with, well, he was not a good guy, but dot, dot, dot. We should not unilaterally assassinate leaders from autonomous countries. And my problem with that is it sort of surrenders the conversation immediately to the right. As soon as you say something like, well, he's not a good guy, but because here's the thing. Soleimani was a military leader, right? So did he oversee the killing of civilians? Yes, but so have our military leaders. And our military leaders do it on a far, far larger scale than Soleimani. So if that's your standard, then you're basically saying that, and any of our US generals should also be assassinated. So it's like a dumb place to start in the conversation. So quality of character is not what's on trial here. What's on trial here is that we now have a system of, of government in the United States where Congress has no power to stop the president when they randomly decide they want to go to war with a country. That's cuckoo bananas and so dangerous as we're seeing right now. And it's not like we didn't have people at the time screaming that we were handing Bush way too much executive power precisely because it didn't take the greatest imagination in the world to predict that one day we would have a fascist leader who uses the same powers to do precisely this. This was like I I was on a show at the beginning of the, the Trump presidency and I was asked like my top two or three nightmare scenarios and this was one of them. And I'm not some big political wonk. It didn't take that much intelligence to predict that this was going to happen. So, yeah, I I understand everybody's feeling very anxious, and I think that's the appropriate way to feel when, when your country assassinates essentially the vice president of a country. But I, I'll say this. I think if we're going to use our fear in a productive way, it should be doing everything we can to protect innocent people in Iran because they're the ones who are really going to feel the brunt of this because we have a fucking monster in the White House. So this can't be undone. It's done. Um, I'm sure there will be consequences in the United States for it because you don't really get to parade around the country killing high-ranking military leaders without consequences. There will be backlash. There probably will be an attack. Or a few attacks. Um, but by far, the people who are going to get it the worst are the people of Iraq and Iran. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said, I don't know how coherent any of those thoughts were, but that's what I've been thinking about. So, Trump announced that we're kicking off the new year with a big old troop surge. Uh, The Defense Department is sending approximately 3,300 additional troops from the 82nd Airborne Brigade uh, who are on alert status, being deployed in the Middle East following the assassination. So a great just-after-Christmas gift for all of those troops. Your fucking insane leader randomly decided to murder someone, so now you have to go... uh, Find the Middle East again. Sorry, what is this, your seventh tour? Too bad. Uh, also in bad news, it's hard to, like, start with World War III, and you're probably like, Allison, what could be as bad as World War III? Well, the fucking planet's on fire, so suck on that, you little sarcastic piece of shit. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Uh, so... If you've been on the social meads, that's what I call social media, as of right now, 9.56 a.m., Sunday, January 5th. If you're on the social meads, I apologize, everyone, you've probably seen photos of Australia absolutely engulfed in flames. I woke up this morning to a bunch of people in Adelaide like, hey, the sky shouldn't look this way, right? And it just looks like Mad Max. Like the sky is this weird, sickly orange color from all of the bushfires. Um, there was really dramatic footage of like four thousand people who got trapped on a, a beach because the fires were uh, encircling them, and thankfully that got uh, that situation. Uh, got under control, and those people were able to get off the beach, but very, very scary. Uh, Something like half a million animals have died during the fires. It is absolutely catastrophic. If you've seen a map of how widespread the fires are, um, it's really frightening, because most of Australia is the bush, um, and Australia is massive, and most of it's on fire. And the thing about when Australia's uh, bush catches on fire, sorry, I phrased it that way, is that uh, it's virtually impossible to get the fire under control. So it's like, well, I guess we just let this burn. <laughs> There's now more than 200 fires burning across the states of New South Wales and Victoria. And again, if you've seen the photos, absolutely apocalyptic. Um, it's it's terrifying, and like I don't know what needs to happen for us to get a bigger wake up call than these fires. I mean, we've also had like here in New York City, we were underwater during uh, Sandy. These are all warnings, and not even warnings because it's happening. Right, it's not like a warning of something to come. It's it's a reminder of what's happening currently. And, yeah, it, it's really, really frightening. Um, and during a time like this, Trump decides to assassinate a, a foreign leader. Of all the things he could have done with his enormous power, say, fight climate change, just decided to maybe get us into World War III. Yay! Guys, it is called the bad news section for a reason. For a reason. So, um, yeah, obviously, here in New York City, also wanted to talk about, we've been following the the rise in anti-Semitic attacks. So over the holidays, there was another anti-Semitic attack. Uh, a masked, machete-wielding man barged into a Hanukkah celebration and stabbed five people at a rabbi's home in Monsey, New York, And apparently, according to witnesses, he had tried to get into a synagogue first, but someone shut the door and locked him out. So this was sort of plan B for him. He ran over to this rabbi's home. There were a ton of people there for this Hanukkah celebration, and he uh, stabbed five people. So he escapes, but the NYPD uh, quickly found him, picked him up. They identified him as Grafton Thomas, Uh, who has several previous arrests on his record, including one for punching a police horse, which, fuck you, buddy. Uh, He was turned over to the state police. He's facing five counts of attempted murder. So, yeah, obviously terrifying. All of these anti-Semitic attacks in New York are really, really scary Um, because, you know, not only do we have a large Jewish community, but... We pride ourselves on being, like, a a more, like, progressive liberal city, all about inclusion and diversity. And, like, you can worship openly and not have to worry about people fucking trying to kill you and all of that stuff. And for attacks like this to happen in New York, it's really, really scary. And also just shows, you know, people feel emboldened because of living in a country with a fascist leader who is constantly winking and nudging white supremacists like, we're cool guys, we're cool. They feel safe to do shit like this. They feel like the tide is turning in their favor and they will have the societal cover to do shit like this. Now that's not to say mental illness isn't a factor as well, but you know, the two aren't always mutually exclusive. You can be anti-Semitic and also mentally ill. Being mentally ill does not magically turn you into an anti-Semite, you know? So, guys, that was so much bad news. And I apologize, but a lot of bad shit happened over the break, you know? I got to keep it real with you. got to keep it a hundi. all right? I feel like my vocabulary has been especially annoying in this episode, and I think it's because... Uh, I have panic brain because so much bad stuff is happening and my brain's like, let's just make this fun somehow and invent words or say words we would never say. I don't know. How are you all doing? Are you okay? Hashtag light, trees and pod. A lot of scary stuff happening right now. And it's okay to feel anxious. It's also okay to unplug and not read the news every day. That's okay as well. So, how are you all, all coping with everything that's happening? Let me know, Light Treason Pod. On that note, guys, that's enough of the bad already. Let's get to the good. Here's your good news. <laughs> All right, first in good news, I'm deciding to put this in good news because I think it's good news anytime someone stands up to fascist dickheads. Uh, Bernie Sanders announced a bill to block funds for the war against Iran. The measure would restrict federal funding of any offensive military action against Iran without congressional authorization. Um, and he's introducing this with Representative Ro Kahana from California. And yeah, I the Senate is obviously um, controlled by Republicans, so uh, who knows what the odds of it actually passing would be, but I do think it's important that Congress stands up to Trump any way they can, having since handed literally all of their power over to the president. Like, this will be very, very hard to undo But this is the very least they can do since (laughs) signing uh, the AUMF. So I'm counting it as good news. Anytime anyone stands up to Trump, I'm like, this is going in the good news section. Also in good news, Don Imus is dead. Yay! First of all, it is absolutely fake news to tell me Don Imus has not been dead since 2008. I reject that. I, I think he's been dead longer. I know we just learned of it. I think he's been dead a while. But anyway, allegedly on December 27th, 2019, the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, known racist and radio host Don Imus died at the age of 79. So if you're very, very lucky, you're like, Allison. who the hell is Don Imus? Congratulations on living a blessed life. But for those of us who um, are not so lucky, Don Imus, for many, many years, was a a radio host. He also had a television show that I would watch every morning because I didn't fucking know any better. Uh, I also used to listen to Rush Limbaugh's show as well when I lived in Illinois. So, um, If you are familiar with Don Imus, you probably remember in 2007, there was a big old controversy um, in which he was fired from CBS for referring to players on the Rutgers women's basketball team as quote-unquote nappy-headed hoes because he was a racist. Um, And so he's dead. (laughs) And there's one less racist in the world. So I'm putting that in the good news section. Anytime one of my enemies dies, it will go in the good news section. I am not one of those people who puts on rose colored glasses after someone dies and is like, actually he was the family man. I think that is bullshit. It, only does a disservice to the living because, guess what? Don Imus is dead. Nothing we can say, pro or con, can ever hurt him again. So let's just be honest about who the man was. And he was a fucking racist. And he was a relic. And he had no place on radio or television or in our society, frankly. And now he's gone. And the world's a better place for it. So that's how I feel about it. Guys, that's how I feel about it. I'm sure you agree. Can you imagine if there was a hardcore Don Imus fan listening to this and they were like, wow, I've agreed with literally everything you've said, but madam, you've just gone too far. I do wonder like if that's going to happen one day. Like I'll just hit on the one raw nerve. Like you've agreed with everything else I've said. I say the one thing and it's like, how dare you come for Don Imus? I don't know. It might happen. So, also in good news, this is a weird one to put in the good news section, but I'm, at this point, so much bad shit is happening that anytime something makes me giggle, I put it in the good news section, because I was like, this is fun. Um, Pope Slap. Hashtag Pope Slap. So, in case you missed this, on New Year's Eve, he did this on New Year's Eve, while greeting pilgrims at the Vatican, Pope Francis slapped a woman, um because she grabbed him, which let me say, whoever it is, don't grab people. It's rude. She grabbed him and he lost his shit on her and like repeatedly slapped her hands until she let go. So first of all, I think it's hilarious that this happened because I'm like, oh, do you not like a stranger trying to control your body? That's so weird, isn't it? The Pope. Okay um but i just thought it was very funny because you know the pope's supposed to be this pious figure who's the mouth of god (laughs) no one's ever phrased it that way and it's so gross but i'm gonna start saying that the pope is the mouth of god and uh you know he's supposed to be very like ultra patient and kind and he apologized afterwards he's like sorry i was such a dick that's what he said Um, But it was very, very funny to me. Also, it was very funny to me that people would be shocked that there would be violence in Catholicism because it's like, wow, somebody didn't go to a private school that was run by nuns because those women will beat the shit out of you and not feel bad about it because they have the big old okay from the big man himself. Um, Yeah, like uh, slapping, hitting in, in Catholicism is very normal. Um, corporal punishment in general is very normalized in Catholicism because it's all tied in with like guilt and shame and not quote unquote spoiling children. And apparently quote unquote, not spoiling children entails hitting children. Um, so they fear you. It's all about fear and control. So of course the Pope slapped a woman. Of course he did. I'm surprised he didn't do it sooner. He probably has. He was just caught on video this time and he did it at the Vatican. Come on, Pope. Come on, Pope Francis. Uh, But anyway, I'm putting in the good news section because I thought it was very funny. Um, And if you haven't seen the video, do go back to it uh, or do find it and watch it. Oh, okay, I found his apology. So he said, I apologize for the bad example yesterday. Sometimes even I lose patience. (laughs) It's so funny. Go watch it. She also looks like her entire world is falling apart before her eyes because the Pope is hitting her. Could you imagine the Pope coming at you and hitting you? Guys, my original 2020 resolution was to smash and destroy, take names, and be very, very successful. But I think I'm changing it to getting slapped by the Pope. Because honestly, at that point, like, what is this woman going to do after that moment that will be bigger than that. She's never going to do anything bigger than getting slapped by the Pope. Most people won't. I'm including very accomplished people who have like won Oscars and, and cured diseases. They haven't been slapped by a Pope. I mean, she might be the only one. That's amazing. That's amazing. First of all, she's not the only one. I think Popes slap a lot of people on the DL, but the only one we got on camera, that's cool. I hope she brags. I hope she like gets free drinks. I hope she goes into every bar from now on and she's like, I got slapped by the Pope. And everybody's like, we're buying her shots. So sort of in a similar vein where at first you're going to be like, Alison, how is this good news? Let me reiterate that everything is very bad right now and I am finding joy wherever I can find it. Okay, Greta Thunberg, who is amazed, recently changed her Twitter name because there was a game show uh, on BBC called Celebrity Mastermind and the contestants were asked to name Greta Thunberg. They were shown a photo of her and they were like, who dis? And uh, an actor named Amanda Henderson (laughs) was shown the photo and she was totally stumped. She had no idea. And she shook her head and guessed Sharon which is the funniest name she could have said. So Greta Thunberg (laughs) sees this or hears about it, immediately changes her Twitter name to Sharon, which is just so funny and also shows again, how fucking savvy uh, with social media the younger generation is and how fucking funny they are and sharp and yeah I thought it was hilarious and somehow she has kept her sense of humor through everything that has been happening not just climate change but right-wing adults coming after a 17 year old uh who's on the spectrum deciding to call her all sorts of names and claim she's mentally ill and claim she She's uh, being manipulated, and she doesn't really feel the things she's feeling. You know, master gaslighting. You're not feeling the things you're feeling. Oh, okay. I thought I was feeling my feelings, but I guess not. Um, you know, after all of those attacks for her to still have such a good s- sense of humor and be so funny on Twitter, I'm. you know, I'm sure that there have been negative effects of constantly being attacked in the media and i'm sure it's caused her a lot of stress and all of that stuff so i don't want to be like wow, she's so strong because i i hate when people say that because it's it would also be okay if she was not feeling strong, you know. Uh it's okay to have human moments, but i think it's so great that she finds moments of levity like this and i think we can all learn from it because as i said, The world is on fire, and we're possibly heading into World War III. So truly, wherever you can find any joy, um, never feel guilty about it, as long as you're not hurting anyone else. Um, You know, watch your shitty show. I I was going to wait to recommend this, and I will probably recommend it again next week, but I've been watching The Circle on Netflix. It's a dumb fucking trash heap. It's a trashy ass show, but it is so fun and so addictive, and I'm enjoying it, and I choose not to feel bad about that. And you shouldn't feel about bad about however you're coping with um, maybe the end of the world question <laughs> mark. I also want to be careful with like how hyperbolic I get with with this kind of language because it's been it's become so commonplace for us all to joke about the end of the world that we are now fully desensitized to it and also I recognize that people are dealing with very real depression and anxiety and I don't want to add to that so let me just say in all likelihood you will be fine you will be fine but that doesn't mean that a lot of other people won't be and that you should check out just because you'll be fine you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying But I think our immediate rush to be so hyperbolic, to catastrophize, to center ourselves in any consequences, including being like, which coast should I live on? Uh, You know, not the most healthy impulse right away and, and probably the most selfish one. You will be fine. In all likelihood, you will be fine. But your government and your president are fucking up massively and they're going to get a lot of people killed. And the fact that we have to watch the fucking news and watch Ari Fleischer and Carl Rove, you know, come back yet again after being wrong about literally everything and ask them what should we should do with Iran, it's like, what the fuck are we doing? When will we learn lessons? I think that's why, you know, millennials and whatever the generation after millennials is called, Gen Z or whatever, are so angry and so frustrated because it is watching an entire generation of boomers be insane. Like literally the definition of insane. Do the same thing fucking over and over and over again. And then be like, wow, going to war with Iran was a bad idea. And the younger people are screaming, yeah, we could have told you that. We just didn't have as much political leverage as you do. But you know, the electorate is changing, things are changing, younger people are super woke, super politically engaged, so hopefully that won't always be the case. And, you know, hopefully we'll live long enough for the fucking older generation to die and stop leading us into war. That would be great. Wouldn't that be great? But I will say that compulsion, it's easy to forget how scared people were after September 11th, right? Right. Especially somebody like uh, like Greta, right? Greta's 17. So like, were you even, uh, some people, some of the younger people weren't even alive when September 11th happened, or they were too young to really understand what was happening. So it is easy to forget how scared people were after September 11th and were basically willing to hand over all of their freedoms in exchange for, quote unquote, security and safety, Right. But it's important to remember that can easily happen. There could easily, now that Trump has assassinated a leader in Iran, right, there could be retaliation by Iran here in the United States. could be a very scary moment in which people are willing to hand over even more power to the president. And it's important to remember what happened after September 11th and where that led to this moment and to not do that. However tempting it might be, however scared you might be, the government can't keep you safe all the time, right? Um, so handing over all of your freedoms doesn't mean that you're going to have a good life or a secure life. All it means is you have fewer freedoms now. <laughs> and you have fewer, in the case of Congress, fewer powers. You have gave all of your power to the president because you were so panicked after 9-11. And I don't say that without sympathy or empathy, right? We were all scared after September 11th. Nothing like that had ever happened in this country. Nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew what was going to happen the next day. Nobody knew if it was going to happen again, you know? Uh, So everybody was scared and it makes you crazy. Fear makes you crazy and it makes you willing to surrender everything. So it's important to remember that's what happened it's important to remember if it happens again, not to do the same thing, no matter how tempted we might be. And we will be very tempted because fear's a bitch, right? I mean, basically the United States since 2001 has been in a state of shock. So for 19 years, we've basically just been reeling. And this is what happens, <laughs> you know, you end up with a fascist leader who seems, quote unquote, strong on defense and you're willing to let him do anything to in in a quest to keep you safe, which ironically ends up making you less safe. Because now, obviously, we we stand to be counterattacked. We probably will be because this is the shit that happens when you do something like that. But yeah, that's that is all I would ask of people, especially younger people who don't remember September eleventh super well. Just don't let fear dictate how you behave. Because it's always bad. It's always a mistake. And to always remember that people just like you live in every country, just like you, probably you get along better with them than a lot of Americans, (laughs) you know? And they have no fucking control over what's happening. They're really scared. They don't want to die, you know, like, they're just like you. So don't let your media and your government manipulate how you think about them. They don't all hate America. They don't like our government, but, like, we don't like our government, right? Um. But, yeah, sorry this got all very the more you know at the end of the episode. But I was just trying to think of, like, anything positive we can take out of this moment. And I think it's just remembering our own history and remembering how people feel in really traumatic periods of our history. Like, we were not thinking clearly after September 11th, And and trauma does that, you know? So stay sharp, everybody, Okay. I hope when I said, stay sharp, you all said, yes, coach. That's my dream for myself. That's also one of my 2020 resolutions, for you all to start calling me coach. Uh, Guys, thanks so much for listening. I missed you, BBs. Um, We're back on normal schedule now. Weekly recap episodes every weekend discussing the previous week's insanity. That's, you know, pop culture, bad news and good news. If you're a fan of the show and you want to keep us going, go to lighttreesand.news and smash that donate button. Or if you're a Patreon supporter of mine, Patreon.com/slash/AllisonKilkenny. If you're a five-dollar month or a five-dollar a month supporter or higher, you get to send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News, and you can send those bad boys literally at any time. Don't be shy. Just find the thread where I ask for questions and leave a comment. And it can also be a recommendation too. So, or just like a general comment. You know, just like if you want to talk to the show, that's where we'll see it. So uh, tell your friends about the show. We're a word-of-mouth operation. That's why you've heard no ads on this show. 100% listener-supported and promoted. So tell your friends, like-minded friends and family members, please don't send your conservative relatives after me. Uh, Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those good places. Uh, We also have a general email Address uh, light treason news at gmail.com. Not gonna lie, I don't check it very often, uh, and you're much more likely to get uh, in touch with me on the socials. But if you are one of those rare, rare birds who's like, Allison, I don't have a Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, good on you. You can email the show. Uh, I just can't promise you when I'll see it, is what I'm saying. But also, good for you. I bet you live a very rich, fulfilling life. What's it like? Is it nice? All right, guys, I gotta get out of here. It's so early. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Love hearing back from you always. Tweet me, all that good stuff. Oh my god, you can also follow me on Twitter at Alison Kilkenny. I never promote my own account, but do go follow me there as well. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.